This is an AMI podcast. Hey guys, welcome along to another episode of Double Tap for Tuesday. It's the 16th of May 2023, and we're kicking it all off with breaking news. Breaking, breaking news. news! Breaking news. You're listening to Double Tap, your daily accessible technology show. Now, here's your hosts, Stephen Scott and Sean Priest. Yes, Sean Priest, it's an exciting day today. Oh, it is. Because we have got breaking news to share. Yeah, we can officially do this. Breaking news. Breaking news. No longer is it, you know, that I've bought something or, you know, paid for a round of drinks. It's actually, you know, (laughs) actual breaking news. (laughs) Real news. Actual real news. No fake news here, you know. Uh, Apple introducing new features in accessibility. (gasps) Lots and lots of new accessibility features ahead of Global Accessibility Awareness Day. And you know the great thing? This is what I love about Global Accessibility Awareness Day. It usually comes just before we get the WWDC Worldwide Developer Conference. And what happens is Apple, unlike at any other time of the year for any other topic, they <laughs> announce features in advance. They never do this. They tell us things. It's amazing. They tell us stuff in advance. Breaking news. Absolutely. Exactly. There's some cool stuff here. There is. Uh, let's just dive right in because there's so much to talk about. And um, can can we be selfish? Can we start with vision specific accessibility? Uh, can we do that? Is yeah, that okay? I think so. Yeah, yeah. Bit of narcissism never hurt anyone. So, oh yeah, absolutely. Um, well, actually, there's a little bit of narcissism in this actually, yes. but we'll talk. We'll get to that in a minute. Uh, but yes, I want to start with a feature. Now we all know about lidar inside iPhones. Okay, so if you don't know what that is, maybe I'll explain. You've got the lidar sensor in the Pro range of iPhones from, was it 13 or 12 up? I can't remember. 13? No, I can't either. I've got a feeling it was further back than that, wasn't it? Was it? Okay. Um, mm. But yeah, mm. in the Pro... Uh, I think mm. it was... Uh, if only there was a way to know. And I don't know. absolutely no way for us to find out the answer to that. Okay. I'll Google. Back okay. in a minute. Uh, but yeah, I think it was... I think it was a 12 Pro. It was when the Pro lineup came along um and you started getting this lidar sensor which ultimately uh, enables you to do really cool things like measure distance and it was first uh, brought out actually uh, right about the pandemic actually i mean it kind of came out at a perfect time because we were all socially distancing and we had to find ways of, of keeping socially distanced and using the lidar sensor you were able to hold your phone up and with the back camera of the phone be able to measure the distance between you and the person in front. So if they said, you know, keep a two metre distance, you could actually do that. So that was pretty cool. Uh, And then later, uh, last year, I think it was, they came out with door detection, which is another variant of this where it's kind of using both AI inside the device, analysing what it's seeing and distance to actually help you identify where doors are. So for that last 10 yards problem you and I was talking about, uh, you were able to solve some of that with door detection. Mm-hmm. Well, they've gone one stage further, and this year they're bringing in point and speak. Now, at first, I, <laughs> the things that run through my mind when someone says something, I'm like, what is this, right? Is this <laughs> it's like some kind of game for children? But no, this is a feature which enables you to literally point at something and the device will look at your finger and what you're pointing at, and it will tell you what you're pointing at. Now, the example given by Apple was a microwave. So you point at a button on the microwave, and it will read whatever the button is. Uh, now, of course, this is really handy. You don't have to train it either. I thought you did, but you don't have to train it to do this. It's not like you have to teach it the buttons. It can see the buttons. It can read the buttons, but it will only... Read what you point at. I think this is brilliant. It is. I'm thinking so many appliances, right? The washing machine, yep. whatever it may be, running your finger across a row of buttons and you know stopping for a second and having it announce what that button is. Amazing. Now, the only thing I wasn't sure about is, is it just doing OCR? So does the words have to be on there or is there some sort of machine learning here that is recognising common symbols I, I i don't know i doubt it but even if it's just ocr the the fact that it's just reading out what your finger is resting on near enough or pointing at it's yeah. really cool well it is and again it comes back to that thing you know we're, we've talked about this for so long the, the 
challenge when it comes to kitchen appliances. There are so many appliances in our kitchen that we have lots of buttons on that we just don't have a clue what these buttons are. And some people might use, for example, bump-ons or tactile marker to you know, figure out what these buttons are, at least the ones you would want to press. But that means you don't use a whole suite of the functions that are there. And a microwave is a great example because there are a lot of microwaves. I mean, the one I've got is a talking microwave, so I'm already, so I'm fine. Yeah. Uh, but we also have another microwave. We've actually got two microwaves. Of course, yeah. Because of course you? we do. Yeah, well, who uses yeah. an oven when you're blind? Come on. Don't be, let's be serious here. Come on. Um, so, you know, I'm not using, I'm using microwaves. Uh, and I found that what was irritating was waiting for my ready meal to be finished uh, or waiting for my wife's ready meal to be finished cooking whilst I'm waiting for mine. So two microwaves were required, but we didn't get the second one. So romantic, one. isn't it? Just isn't it? Just I feel like I'm in the sixties. You know, let's get your television dinner. Um, oh, but yeah, so we've got the second microwave, but it doesn't talk, and it has lots of buttons on it, which I've got no idea what half of them are. And my dishwasher is the same. So you know, lots and lots of um, lots and lots of appliances that could really benefit from this. I mean, I'm thinking about even like remote controls. You know, where's the, you know, what, what am I actually pointing at here on this particular remote well, control? That's going to be a really interesting test case, that one, because we're talking the space between is so mm. tight. The ability of the LiDAR to actually pinpoint where your finger is and not sort of, okay, it's close to that button and that button. I'm going to be really interested to see if it can cope or how it copes with that sort of thing. But um, yeah, it is. There's just so many use cases where this is going to be useful. I have got one question, though. Mm. Why do they put all these things in the magnification app? Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? Because it's not the natural place for blind people to go. never have thought of that. It was the same when they came out with the um, door detection and things like that. I, I just thought, why? I mean, it's almost like, shouldn't these tools have an app of their own? Um, because I wouldn't go to magnification. I'd, I'd never use the magnification app because it's no good to me. So to find these tools in there, it's the only fact that I know they're there that I would actually use it. It just seems a little bit strange. Yeah. Now, we can actually, because we're bringing you this as breaking news today, we are getting some updates uh, to the story as we go along. This is actually happening live. You'll be stunned to learn how advanced we are here at uh, Double Tap, where we can bring yeah. you breaking news. Yeah, yeah actual information. <laughs> I can give you a quick demonstration of how point and speak will actually work. So this is with a microwave. And uh, let's just play this in. So this is someone pointing their finger at the various buttons, like I was uh, demonstrating and telling you about earlier. Cook time. Pizza. Power level. Add 30 seconds. So, I mean, there you go. You're actually hearing the individual buttons, what they are, uh, before you push them. And it's saying here that this is using the uh, culmination, the, the input of the camera app, the LiDAR scanner, and that on-device machine learning to announce the text on each button. Now, it does say text in each button. So yeah, that answers I, your question, right? Well, that's that might reasonable, be able to, right? Yeah. yeah, and I think that is. I think. I mean, don't get me wrong, that's something that could definitely be built upon yeah. over time. Yeah. You know, either it's common symbols or, you know, I mean, let's be honest, once Apple get to the point where they're working with, I'm not going to say they're going to work with OpenAI because it probably won't, but, you know, once that, built, that becomes part of it. Once we get to that it, sort of level, then maybe... Yeah. Yes. And actually, again, this is the other thing. One of the brilliant things with the LiDAR scanner is that it's available, I believe, through API as well. So there are people, there are, I guess, uh, apps like, I mean, let's say um, Seeing AI or other potential applications that could benefit from that scanner and utilize this capability. Yeah. Um, Seeing so AI build just... it in, you know, because it's almost like what Apple are doing here is they're providing the tool and they're showing you how it works. But really, you could implement this into an application as well. I would hope so. I would hope they would make this core, like a, a framework available to other apps. I, I, I don't know if they're doing that, but absolutely. And it is important to note that this does require LiDAR. This isn't, you know, uh, uh, this gives you extra accuracy or, or anything. It, it won't work if you don't have LiDAR. So I'm really hoping we're starting to see that this LiDAR sensor is going to start to trickle down to the lower core. I know it's always on the pro at the moment. Yeah. But hopefully it will start to become more common because um, we're, we're just starting to see. I mean, how many years has it been? And we're just starting to see how useful it can be. I was, I was kind of of the view that with you, I thought eventually this will trickle down. I actually thought on the 14 lineup, it would become part of all of the, the offerings. Yeah. Yeah. I suppose you have to have a reason to call it pro, right? You have to have a reason to have a pro 
uh, system. And yeah, okay, the camera's part of it, but even the camera, I think, on both devices, on the 14 and on the 14 Pro, are pretty much exactly the same. Maybe yeah, bar I, a couple of chain, maybe a, a, an extra lens or something, I don't know. But, you know, mm-hmm. the, but actually the capability is is the same within all the devices. So you do have to have reasons to have Pro in the title. Yeah, but I would argue that would be the telephoto camera lens and the wide uh, angle, wide screen, nearly said, wide angle lens as well. I would mm. argue, you know, having those rather than just your standard universal camera lens, I would be quite happy with that on the lower phones. But yeah, you're right. There is something to mark them out, a reason to pay that extra $500 or whatever it may be. Now, lots of other features coming as well. And I want to focus in on a new category under cognitive accessibility. Uh, and this is a feature uh, set called assistive access. Now, this is very interesting. You might remember back in the uh, days of when we talked about, I think it was iOS 16.2, the, the preview or the beta, there was code within that, if you remember, we were talking about it at the time. It was code that suggested there would be some kind of like an easy mode approach to iPhone. So at the time, it was suggested that you would have these blocks of, you know, almost like the size of a widget on the screen. But actually, that would be an app. That would be a button for an app. And then you could have a a range of those. And then the applications themselves would be kind of configured to be easier to access. And this would be for people who have real issues with cognitive load. Um, Well, it turns out that that was very much the case, that that is something that's coming. And this is this new feature set. So what they've done is they've designed uh, this idea to really distill apps and experiences, as they say, to their essential features in order to lighten cognitive load. Uh, the feature reflects feedback from people with cognitive disabilities and their trusted supporters, focusing on the activities they enjoy and that are foundational to iPhone and iPad. So connect, connecting with loved ones, capturing and enjoying photos, and listening to music. So what does this look like in reality? Well, uh, across both iPad and iOS... Um, you will be able to uh, have a customized setup home screen. So you could have on there uh, maybe five or six apps, and they are big, big buttons focusing more on the image rather than the text, but the text is there as well. And you have a large icon for calls. Um, You have a large icon for messages, for music, for photos, for or camera, whatever it might be. But you can also add third-party applications into that mix as well. And you can have it as giant buttons or a row of uh, icons as well and, and apps in, in a row form, which kind of very similar, actually, I think, to what they did with the Apple Watch, the list view that they had. It sounds a little bit similar to that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I wasn't quite clear on that. I'm not sure how that other uh, appearance is going to be. It, I was hoping it was just going to be a, 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 t- a text list. <laughs> but Well, it yeah. is. It actually is. Yeah, I mean, is that it what is. it is? With Does an it... icon. Yeah, I mean, with an icon for with the an app. I- yeah. But, yeah. but it will be a list of applications. Um, yeah. and, and that allows you to have the, the option to choose within assistive access what that framework looks like. Um, the consistency across the experience, because this is kind of like you're changing the look of your phone. This is allowing you to completely customize the look of this device into this assistive access mode. So across the system, you will have this consistency where you know, the, the whole screen will be much simpler um, much less information on the screen, and you'll have a consistent back button on the screen as well. Now, that's interesting. So you'll have an actual back button, which just I think it's just text that says back um, on there, and you can just hit that text and go back to the beginning. So you are always just moving in, you know, through the application and then back out of the application back to the home screen. So a very simplified way of using it. I can see so many, so many people who will benefit from this. I think about my own mum. Absolutely. Who, you know, she she just she struggles sometimes to understand what the home button is versus the back button. You know, she'll get her phone and she'll be like, so what, what button do I press? And she gets very confused by it. And I've often wanted to buy her a newer iPhone, but I've stuck with the, I think she's got the iPhone SE at the moment. And I've stuck with that because it has that physical button at the bottom. And it's interesting that as we move further forward, I'm wondering if Apple are eventually going to be getting rid of that home button. And as a result, this will be a nice alternative to that. You will have the actual back button on screen consistently across apps. And this will be even with third-party applications as well, because I was keen to know from Apple on this, you know, right, so how will this work with, say, a banking app or something which has not been configured 
to mm. to live within assistive access. And it's important to understand this as well. These applications, it's not just the look of the the grid. You know, when you actually go into one of these applications, in particular, let's say calls, um, when you go into that, you'll have a larger, more simplified list, which is just a big list of all the names of people. I think you can also customize that as well to have specific people up front. Uh, you don't have to have your entire contacts list on there. You could just have the, the relevant people you would want to contact. And that would be a large pictures again in that grid view or list view with the face, with the name. Again, very simple. And when you tap on a name or you tap on a face, you'll have the option to call FaceTime text. You know, so, well, actually, no, I tell you, you'll have the option to call or FaceTime. So they've kind of brought that two, those two together. So yeah. it's clear. You know, the process is clear. Um, it's quite layered, but it's also quite clear that when you're going through, your, when you're stepping through this, you are understanding what the options are. And you're not just being overloaded by options. I'll be honest. I think a lot of people might just turn this on because it's easier. You know, run, you know, might not be. You know, well, people will just prefer this to, to uh, having to deal with you know what can be quite a cumbersome OS at times. Well, it's what we've always been saying. You know, this is when accessibility just becomes you know, sort of a universal greater good for the user interface. Mm -hmm. As you mentioned, you know, it's, it's one of those times where cognitive impairment or whatever it may be. And it's, it, you may get easily distracted by too many elements on the screen. But other than that as well, you know, like you say, my parents, my, my father-in-law's got a dumb phone. But there's so many times when I wish I could just, you know, connect via video call. His, his heating isn't working, for example. Yep. And I could simply tell him rather than trying to, you know, well, having to go down in person or things like that. There's so many times when a smartphone would be so handy for someone like that but i know he won't touch a smartphone because he's overwhelmed by it so being able to say okay just you know there's a button here to call me directly or whoever and, and set it up like that would be amazing so yeah i'm excited by this this is called assistive access i believe isn't it yeah that's right assistive access so you also have other things as well so in the text for example under messages uh you can have a, an emoji only keyboard some people prefer that they prefer to just communicate in that simplistic way, using emojis. And of course, you can also record, and this is cool as well, you can have the option to record a video message to share with loved ones as well. Um, so, you know, lots of different things you can do with this, I think, which is brilliant. And, and just having control. Clearly, there are some people who will need help in setting this up. So this would be something that, you know, you could go to the Apple Store to get, or, you know, you could do it yourself and then pass this to your loved one. I love the fact that it's not just on iPhone. I love the fact that it's on iPad as well. Because I can see so many people, especially with low vision, who could maybe benefit from this. You know, simplified doesn't mean um, lesser than, or you know, because I think sometimes that's the, 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 almost like an accusation of mm, you know, I just want to use what everyone else is using. I don't want it simplified. I don't want, but actually, I don't see it that way. I think this. If I mean, I would use this. I would genuinely. I mean, if, if this, this sounds to me, it'll be much more enjoyable with voiceover. You know, just having a list of apps. Yeah. You know, yeah. so much simpler. Absolutely. Yeah, and the apps I actually use, as opposed to just everything being there all the time, I'm forever searching for apps and using Siri to open apps because I can't remember where they are on the device. You know, so this this is something I think is really going to be be really useful to a lot of people. This is I think this yeah. is brilliant. I do too. Um, some other things as well. So live speech is coming out as well. Now, what this means is you can type what you want, and it can be spoken out loud during phone and FaceTime calls as well as in person conversations. So this is for people who are non-verbal. And you can save commonly used phrases, so you can chime in quickly during live conversations. Um, the idea is it's been designed to support millions of people who are unable to speak or who have lost their speech over time. And uh, very simply, it pops up as a little bubble above the keyboard. You can type, or you can, of course, refer to the, the phrases. There's a button on there which says phrases, and you can hit on that, and it will then display your most common phrases, a little bit like what we might use text replacement for, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, also, and this is interesting, and I, I love the way that Apple do this, I really do. Uh, for users at risk of losing their ability to speak, such as, you know, someone with a recent diagnosis of ALS or any other condition that can basically impact on your speaking, personal voice is a new feature that will create a voice that sounds like them. Now, we know a little bit about this because we've been hearing a lot of, you know, with AI, especially we hear so much talk about, you know, 11 labs, 
and organizations and companies like that that are developing ways to replace your voice or at least use your voice, turn it into a usable uh, thing. But this, this is specific for communication in your voice, okay? So you can create a personal voice and what you do is you read along with a randomized set of text prompts. You record 15 minutes of audio on your iPhone or your iPad and then what happens is it uses on-machine learning to keep the information private and secure. We're back to Apple doing what it does best, privacy, security. Everything's on device. So yeah. this is, you know, the security factor here is a big deal. And it will in- integrate seamlessly with live speech. So that feature I just told you about, instead of speaking with a TTS voice, like Daniel, it will be your voice. <laughs> and I really, I, if I ever met Daniel, I'd love to talk to him, but I hate his voice. Um, oh, but... <laughs> so do I. Yeah. You can, you, it's, like, it's like the cyclist of text-to-speech voices. It's like, you know, lorry drivers can't be bored with them. Bus drivers, car drivers, they all agree on one thing. They hate cyclists. Um, but yes, so... Uh, <laughs> wow, that was a random attack there. I love you, cyclists. You're saving the planet. We love you. But you go off the road, will you? Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, so you can use this. You can use live speech with your personal voice when connecting with loved ones. That's so cool. Voice cloning given the Apple treatment, right? Yeah. And I, I was thinking, okay, now I'm surprised by this. This is dangerous because, okay, a 15-minute um, session to, to clone your voice, but what if you're taking other people's vocals and cloning someone else's voice and then you could start, you know, getting up to mischief, let's say, with someone else's voice. But as you mentioned there, the actual training itself uses randomized um, text paragraphs or phrases or whatever that you need to speak so you can't even grab someone's audio to you know to to prepare and do this training so it is locked in you can only clone or recreate your voice which is so cool and it it, 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 the security and privacy aspects of this is really good well that's the thing right i mean if you're going to do it on any device it's you know on an iphone you know you're going to be doing it safely you, yeah, know, you don't have yeah. to worry that someone's going to get a hold of your voice and use it in nefarious ways. And I'm not saying anyone else is, but I'm just saying that you know Apple won't. <laughs> that's no, my that's point. right. Yeah, but I'm saying if if the training was a set, you know, known set of, uh, oh, okay, so they, they want me to read this paragraph out uh, so I could get someone else's vocals with those words in it and recreate their voice. Mm. Um, yeah, it's a bit of work, but I mean, I'm just saying that it's, it's been known to happen, but that totally making it random does away with that. It's fantastic. Of course, the question I want to know is, can I clone my voice and use it with voiceover? No. So my voice is no. reading out my phone. Oh, that would and be that amazing. That is exactly the kind of narcissism I was talking about. How I'm narcissistic what? would you have to be? To want to listen to your own voice. Oh, I'd love it. As your own text-to-speech. <gasps> yeah, I know. It'd be great. I think you'd be sick of yourself. No. Even no. quicker than... I won't finish that sentence. Uh, right, <laughs> moving on. There are some other features to mention as well. Uh, deaf and hard of hearing users can pair made-for-iPhone hearing aids directly to Mac uh, coming up as well. That's another feature that's coming out soon. Not something you could have done before. It seems. But I you missed can do that. that. Oh, that's yeah. really cool. Yeah. You can do that. It's a lot of a lot of extra little bits here of this because there was lots of announcements as part of this, and lots more to come as well. There was some other uh, little features along the way. I think will be great for us. I'll mention uh, a little bit later. But um, voice control. Now we have a number of listeners who uh, use voice control, and uh, adding phonetic suggestions for text editing is uh, going to be a feature soon. So that if you type with your voice, you can choose the right word out of several that sound alike. Like do, do, and do, you know, D-U-E, D-E-W, D-O, which is the right one? And you're yeah. able to choose that now, which is brilliant. Uh, additionally, with Voice Control Guide, you can learn tips and tricks about using voice commands as an alternative to touch uh, and typing across iPhone, iPad, and Mac. And that's cool because, again, it comes back to this point we've made before about learning and resources. All these features live in there. But what if you don't know how to use them? And voice control is a good one because it might be something you might use or want to start using, but not necessarily need. Do you know what I mean? Need to use, as in the you know, it might not be necessary for you to use it every day as an accessibility thing, but Again, you just prefer yeah. to use it. Oh, absolute essential to someone who can't use the touchscreen. I mean, fantastic. But you know, I. I tend to use it if i'm in the bath and i can't touch my phone <laughs> you know there's, there's a, a million use cases where voice control can be used by anyone and the fact that it's now basically it's got a tutorial with it 
you, it will show you how to use it and, yep. and tips and tricks of the best way to use it. So yeah, absolutely fantastic. Otherwise, you know, previously you just turn it on and you learn by just going through and practice. But now there's a tutorial. Fantastic. Um, so a couple of others to mention, um, users who have physical and motor disabilities who use switch control can turn any switch now into a virtual game controller to play their favorite games on an iPhone and iPad. Really cool. So you can suddenly play games. Well, why well, not? Yeah, well, because, you know, okay. Crossy Road? Mm, okay. Let me know when I can road, play Grand Theft Auto Five or um, Half-Life. There's people who are disabled who are playing those games and they are much better than you or I will ever be. I'm trying to think of a new game. I haven't played games in that long. I know. Let me know when I can play Pac-Man. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I'm currently playing Blind Dominoes on my iPhone. That's the level I'm at. Oh, well, Markdown and Blind Dominoes. You, sir. I'm I'm representing. I'm representing. (laughs) Uh, For users with low vision, text size is going to be easier to adjust across Mac apps such as Finder, Messages, Mail, Calendar, Notes. About time. That's been something desperately needed, actually. uh, There hasn't really been a great approach to that. Microsoft have been well ahead of the game on that one. So good to see that coming in. Uh, Those who are sensitive to rapid animations can automatically pause images with moving elements, such as GIFs in Messages and Safari. So no longer do you have to deal with uh, trying to see them. That's such a good idea, right? That's something I never would have thought of. Uh, That's fantastic, yeah. And uh, one more, and this is for us voiceover users. Uh, Siri voices, as we know, sound natural and expressive, even at higher rates of speech feedback. So how about this? In uh, the coming months, you'll be able to customise the rate at which Siri speaks as well. So you can change options from 0.8% to two times. About time. Oh, that's that is cool. so good. Yes. So lots of stuff coming. These are all the new accessibility features. We've put it all on our socials. So you can go check it out. You can also read it on the uh, show notes as well. Go check all this information out. Now, just to be clear, this is something that's coming, and all of these features are coming later in the year. They're not coming out yet. So we will probably say that part of iOS 17, a lot of these will be announced. And uh, there's more to come. I even saw a little feature in addition to this. I saw an extra thing which said... <gasps> Uh, multi-monitor zoom. Now, for those who use... What? Are you, are you allowed to say that? I don't know. I'm saying it. I don't care. I'm that saying it. Secret. Okay. Was it? I don't know. It seems well, secret. it's not now. It's okay, public. it's not now. Well, I, I, can't, I, couldn't, I couldn't get the screen quickly enough. They were showing a very <laughs> quick flash of, screen, of all the to... kind of features coming. And I was very quickly trying to see them all. Um, but yeah, so multi-monitor zoom, which I think, I mean, honestly... Zoom on Mac is one of the best Zooms, I think, that are out there. I mean, don't get me wrong, maybe not visually. I, I, what I mean by that, that doesn't sound right. Um, <laughs> let me rephrase this. So it's it's not the, the clearest at high magnifications, right? Zoom text and um, Supernova do much better. A high rates of magnification at having crystal clear text, they are much better at that. However, the way that Zoom is implemented on the Mac, just being available, and it doesn't have any impact on the system. It has no impact on what you're doing. It's just always there and it's always, it's solid. You know, and if you need it to just zoom in, and I'd still do even today, I'll still use it. I can just zoom in, zoom back out, and it doesn't affect voiceover or anything else. It's just brilliant. I love it. Yeah. Uh, but multi-monitor is, has been a nightmare. When you have two monitors hooked up, as I did for a long time, when you would zoom in on one, what would happen is that that would basically become it would, it would zoom in across both monitors. So you'd, you'd have, you know, so whatever you're zooming in on, so say I had the word, as right now I've got the website up here for Apple Newsroom, Apple is the word highlighted. If I zoomed into that word Apple, that entire browser would stretch right across the other monitor. Beautiful. That's what I'd want. So you'd, it would be as if you suddenly <laughs> had like two, you were looking through a window, right, at these huge, you know, this, and, and it seemed like a good idea, but hopeless on apps like Final Cut. Because if you're using Final Cut or iMovie or something like that, where you had, say, a screen where you were wanting to see the the, the video that was playing, but you didn't want that to zoom, you just wanted to stay that state where it was, and then you're trying to zoom in on the other screen, which has got your timeline on it, impossible. So for someone who's low vision, I can see some real value in having more control over that. Of course, I'm saying all this. I don't have full detail on what this feature is. No. It might not even be that, but I'm hoping it is. I'm living in hope. Because you simply spied it somewhere. Yes. Where you weren't supposed to be looking. You're a disgrace, sir. 
Yes, very good. But lots of good stuff. So, yeah, coming later this year, uh, fall, I think, is the word we're looking for here. Oh, No, awesome. don't do that, Sean. Don't, don't fall, please. Oh, very good. Oh, uh, oh well done. Because we know how that goes. But, yeah, some really interesting stuff. Well done to Apple. And uh, all ahead of Global Accessibility Awareness Day. As more announcements come, we'll bring them to you here on Double Tap on AMI-audio. Stick around. Your feedback next. Call the Double Tappers now, 1-877-803-4567, or email us, feedback at doubletaponair.com. Lots of your feedback coming in as always. We're going to uh, go to Brian, who sent us in an email and demonstration as well. As always, Laura reads our emails. Hi, gents. Firstly, here is a demo of my experience with Microsoft Soundscape iOS app, which, as you know, in June will be pulled from the App Store. Previously, I did ask if there was a cost associated with just leaving the app in the App Store, wondering why don't they just leave it there. But I've learned that Soundscape does rely on some back-end storage to contain each user's set of markers, routes, saved in the app. Although this space is minimal, it could be significant with lots of users, but a great shame to lose the features I still feel are unique in this app. And, of course, I'm sure that cost is insignificant to Microsoft to allow blind users continued access and the ability to navigate independently, as my demo shows. I couldn't use this in the UK, but I've just returned back from France where I spend several months each year, and on the traffic-free, obstacle-free and totally quiet country lanes, you will hear how I'm able to run without any sighted guide, just using my cane and the app to prompt me on distances to markers I've pre-configured. Okay. Oh, 990 metres. Nearing the junction. The end of the 1K stretch. Approaching intersection. D266. Is left. D266. Is right. 1.05 kilometres. Grass. Road. Grass. Heading west of road. Grass. 990 metres. I know you can hear. Chief chap. Nineteen girl up a slight hill. Eight hundred and fifty meters. Well, this is for a short soundscape demo. Seven hundred and ninety-five meters. I know at five hundred and sixty meters, it slightly kicks. The paper on the right kicks out a bit. Seven hundred and seventy-five meters. Really enjoyed your MacBook Apple Script voiceover priority demo and was more impressed on the slick way you navigated between the apps and the general interactive process. I'm a long-time JAWS user and even on the latest release find it cumbersome to alt-tab and to manage the finger gymnastics to be efficient in switching from one app to another without burning time and landing on the wrong applications left open. I've noticed a lot of blind podcasters seem to be very familiar with voiceover on MacBooks and wonder if I'm behind the times and still relying mostly on JAWS with Windows. When I find JAWS is letting me down, I often find I can do things quicker with voiceover on my iPhone. So perhaps I should begin the MacBook learning curve and try to migrate across for a more all-round pleasurable experience for those tasks where a keyboard is required. I'm forced to keep Windows as a main platform for using the Microsoft Office suite, where JAWS is still dominant in handling spreadsheets, Excel for example. But for writing documents, browsing the web, would you say the MacBook is a more comfortable experience? Anything to get away from the ribbons of word, etc. Many thanks and keep up the good work. Regards, Brian. Okay, well, first off, thank you for the demo on Soundscape. Um, why were you running is the question I have. Uh, was there maybe some donuts being given away at Tim Hortons? Um, oh, how dare you? Sale at Best Buy? Um, I took out the sound of sirens that was going behind him. Okay, right, that's from... fine. Okay, <laughs> now it's now it's all starting to make sense. That okay. was so impressive, though, and it really demonstrates why Soundscape is kind of unique, right? Yeah. That that constant update. I must say, I did cut out some pieces there. I did edit that, so he wasn't running incredibly fast, you know, when it went to nine hundred to seven hundred meters or something. Um, but <laughs> it, it just shows, and he was actually running there you could hear his footsteps and his cane technique the grass and the road that is so impressive and the confidence that something like soundscape gives you is is all part of what makes it so valuable it's going to be a real shame to see it go yeah and and i'm getting a lot of feedback from people saying you know they're really really getting fed up shall we say well done good Um, choice of words uh, that it's that's going away that they're unhappy about it. and i get that i, I and i, I think Absolutely. we're all starting to feel it now i think because we're st- we know it's coming and we know it's the end is nigh 
uh, and we know what we're losing. You know, it's very, very irritating. And I just, I don't know what we're going to do with that. But what I would say is it's, it does seem there's a lot of interest in the community to bring it back. And it's not just talk among people like ourselves who want to see it come back, but actually people who could bring it back. So yes. I think there's hope out there for it. Um, I believe it was... Um, oh, no. Was it Billy Bob Marley? Not Billy Bob. Billy Bob Marley, <laughs> who said, give me hope, Joanna. Yes, absolutely. Right. Uh, I yeah. don't know who Joanna was, um, and I don't know why she in particular has brought She's in... the head but... lead on uh, Soundscape at Microsoft, <laughs> apparently. <laughs> give us hope, Joanna, please. And, and look... Everyone's going to be would... emailing this person called Joanna now. <laughs> no we one here. hope. Hope when Microsoft said, "Well, look, we're going to make this available. We're going to make this open source." But actually, mm. that's that's okay. But it's not entirely true. There's so much missing out of this when it comes to cloud support services. Yeah, you said this before. Yeah, and I'm not I'm not convinced that we need them. What's wrong with holding our data, our our places, our waypoints, and whatever beacons on device? Do we need to store it on the cloud? I, I, Can you I imagine if Apple implemented this? <laughs> Can you oh, imagine they took well, on? Wow. Knows? <laughs> that would be that'd be a bit of a slap in the face to Microsoft, wouldn't it? it would. uh, or Google, maybe. I mean, who knows? Who knows what's going on? But it does seem like such a shame um, that it's going away. But it doesn't seem yeah. as much we can do about it. It's going away. There is a petition floating about, so um, definitely sign that. Check our yeah. socials. I'm sure I've, I've, I've re-blogged it. Ah, see, I'm getting all the, the oh, lingo, getting the lingo. Here. Oh, But hang on, is it reblog or boost? Because this is this whole thing with Mastodon. The oh, language changes boosting? depending on what oh, the I app what is. is. I think yeah. boost is reblog. Okay. Yeah, right. it's very confusing. All right. Um, I'll, I'll reblog it again anyway. For, shall um, we talk about months. Twitter? Oh, yes. <laughs> I know you love talking about Twitter. I oh, love. we didn't answer his other question about the Mac. Oh, the Mac. Oh, yes, I was sorry. so busy talking about Soundscape. Um... Yeah, Brian, the Mac, oh, do you know what? It's a really difficult one to answer this. Everybody who it's asks not. Me, it is. No, it is. Because everyone always asks me this question. Well, you know, you either you either come at this from two points of view. You think, well, okay, the Mac sounds good because of all the creative options and it does seem like it's a system that's fairly, you know, once you get over the hump of like any screen reader, once you've figured out voiceover, you know, you're on the go. Um, and then there's the other side of it, which is people come to it from the view that, you know, the iPhone's easy to use, so therefore the um, the Mac is easy to use. And unfortunately, both are true and wrong all at the same time. Because, yes, in some ways, is once you've got the handle on voiceover on iPhone, I would say that you're nowhere near learning how voiceover works on the Mac because no. uh, it's a very different beast, and it's because of the nature of the system. Different on the iPad, of course, because the iPad at least has a similar experience, but, you know, because the layout's roughly the same. It's just more columns. Um, yeah. But the Mac is not like that at all. It's very, very different. So I think mm. learning and, and whether it's better, I don't know. I mean, it's it's always tricky to say. If it's, if JAWS and, and Windows is working for you, then great. And I think, you know, for a lot of people and for me for a long time, it was very much that the Windows PC and the iPhone were the perfect combination. Yes. Um, and if you wanted to make it even better, add a Bluetooth keyboard to the mix for the iPhone. And if you had that set up, you were pretty, pretty well set up. I mean, I've got my Mac here and I use my Mac every day, but, you know, there are certain things I do. I always like, for example, with Buffer, I find that using Buffer to, to schedule tweets and stuff and send stuff out on Mastodon and, and Twitter and Facebook and whatever the hell else it goes, um, I find <laughs> it much know. easier to do that on the phone. I just find the iPhone much easier to do that. You're going to be, whatever frustrations you're finding with Jules and Windows, you're going to find equal frustrations on the Mac. Yeah. Um, you know, yes, it's better in some places, and there's some things I really miss about the Mac. But at the same time, there were some things that, that just drove me absolutely crazy. And your specific examples of writing documents and web browsing, I think, are actually, mm. uh, personally, I think, are a worse experience. Unless you've got Mac. Ulysses. Unless you've got, got Ulysses. Ulysses. There you go. But hey, give it a go. You may love it. There's nothing wrong with giving it a try. I mean, you know, you can always take these things back if you don't get on with them. Yeah. Although I will say, to become anywhere close to proficient, and I would not say I'm proficient, I get by, um, I would say it's taken me the best part of three years. Uh, so, you know, yeah, I, maybe, I don't know what the return policy is at Best Buy, but <laughs> I don't think it's three years. Uh, anyway, let's move on and uh, let's talk about Twitter with Camille. Last night I received an email from Twitter indicating that someone from New York logged into my Twitter account. I verified that the email was from Twitter and it was so I immediately changed my account password. Having spent the last four years of my IT career in the security section of the department, I know about password strength. 
I had a nine characters password that included six lowercase, one symbol and two digits. The total number of passwords that can be created using such a combination is 250 trillion. So how had they logged in? Is it possible that my Twitter session was not logged out from the last time? If this had been my banking account, the session would have been logged out after five minutes of inactivity. Can a Twitter session be used by someone else if not logged out? I do not know, but I know this. A password containing words that can be found in a dictionary is not good. I now have a 13-character password that does not include a word that can be found in a dictionary. I also ensured that the session is logged out. Hopefully, my Twitter account was hacked for the last time. Whoever hacked into my account now knows that I am retired and was born on April the 30th. Lol. And maybe this can help others protect their Twitter account. Have a nice day, you two. Camille from Regina. Thanks, Camille. Um, yeah, that's no no fun when you get hacked. But, you know, the way around it is I think you've got to be very careful, especially when you log in. One thing with Twitter, and I find with, this, with some other apps as well, when you go in, there can be sessions that remain on other systems. So I've gone into some apps. I can't remember exactly what they were, but I remember one occasion I'd gone into, I want to say Facebook or maybe it was one of those things, and it turned out it was like available on six or seven devices. You know, whether anyone was actually in it or not, I don't know. But, but yeah. it was available because I had logged in and maybe just Sessions not used that device again. time out. They should all yeah, do they that. Should. Now, I would assume that Twitter would do that, but I don't know. And Camille, the, the signs of your background, you would know much, much more than I would. But I would assume that any open session would eventually time out. But, hey, yeah, who knows? I mean, the fact is they got in there and it's, it is worrying. Well, I mean, I, I opened up an old iPhone years ago. And it was logged into, well, it had been logged into Facebook. I opened up the Facebook app and all I, all I asked me to do was continue as Stephen. That was it. That was the only question I asked Oh, me. yeah. Yeah. No, sorry. I'm, I'm, when I'm saying uh, a session should time out, I'm talking about if you're accessing through a web browser, that should automatically web uh, yes. time out. But yeah. if, you're, if we're talking older devices or spare devices, no, you are logged in and you are logged in. Yeah, it, that's There's nothing problem. you can do about that. That's a problem. You can revoke access on a number of things and you can certainly do that with Twitter. You can revoke access to applications uh, of course there are so few third-party applications now if any um in theory but i i, I it's interesting because i still find i have got these um uh, these connections even though the even though the, the maybe the apps don't work anymore the connection still exists so i don't know what that means mm. so definitely something you want to check in with and, and, and make sure you're logging out and checking the permissions and where these apps are actually logged into just just maybe almost do a bit of admin on that every so often but um, that was, can I just say, that was an excellent thing to do as well, to double check that the email was actually from Twitter as well. Yes, definitely. So uh, that's an important thing. Just double check so you're not resetting a password or sending your old password to anyone who isn't Twitter, who, whoever. CC's back uh, on the subject of the Freestyle Libra app. G'day, folks. This is CC on the line in Montreal. I just checked in with the folks at Abbott Laboratories who make the Freestyle Libra 2. And they're still saying, yes, they can handle iOS 16.1. And that's as far as they've been willing to go. When it comes to people handling me or moving me around, as long as we're both naked, then that, that would be fine. But generally, <laughs> that doesn't happen when I'm out in public. Thanks no. for uh, the update on the eyes. I would rather get my ears fixed. Thank you very much. So if you've got somebody that's got a high-res cochlear implant, I'm all in. Thanks for the shows. Thank you, CC. Um, yeah, if you've got a spare cochlear implant lying around you don't need, get get in touch with CC. You could, you could really I'm do not with commenting it. on the naked uh, point, but um, yeah. Um, <clears throat> I don't know what Definite, to say now. I'm blushing. Definition of good, clean fun, couple having a bath together. There you go. <laughs> I like that joke. I get, going back to the, um, the, the, what's it called? The Freestyle Libra. I, I mean, come on, what is going on here? It's just I, endless, I, isn't it? It's relentless it, it's, for, for season. There, what's the reasoning behind that? It's, it's fine saying, yeah, well, it works up to this version, but after that, yeah. But why? Why? Surely they must recognise the importance of this device. Mm. It really isn't good enough. No, I agree. Uh, let us know if you've got one of these devices and let us know how you're getting on. I know some of you do and uh, you've been feeding back on this. So do come back to us and let us know how you're getting on with your uh, device if you're using the Freestyle Libra app for people with uh, diabetes. Um, let's uh, get a comment from Peter. 
Hi Double Tappers, it's Pete from Robin Hood County, hoping all is well. Thank you for all the interesting shows so far. Yes, I've got the full uniform for blind people. The flat cap, the dark glasses, the string vest, the cut-off jeans, the white cane. All I'm missing now is a dog, so I can beg for money. But seriously, though, I wear the dark glasses over my others because I suffer from problems with glare, as I guess a lot of people with partial sight do. Mm-hmm. For people that can't see at all, it's probably um, deformity in the shape of their eyes or something. As for getting out and about, well, I look at a map first. Well, my voiceover tells me where things are. And then I plot the journey from there. And my wife is able to read a map. So it's all good for me on that front. Now, people were talking about audio description, etc. Well, there's a bill going through our Houses of Parliament. And they're discussing what percentage of programmes are going to have accessibility. Well, lucky for people with sight limitations, we're going to have a whole 10%. So if you're looking for the other 90, forget it. Those that have hearing limitations get 80%. You lucky people. (laughs) Everybody should get exactly the same. All Mm programmes should have the accessibility features that are required, subtitles, audio description, captions, and it should be on all programmes. There's no reason why not. That's what you pay a licence fee for. Although, having heard what's on BBC One at the moment, I think they should pay us for watching it. But I leave television to (laughs) Elaine. I never really liked it. Anyway, thank you for all the interesting shows. And if you want some new words in your Scottish dialect... Mm. The word of the moment is clipe. Oh, yeah. Down here you say snitch on your mates or dob on your mates, but if Mm. you're in Scotland, the word there, I'm told, is clipe. Certainly is. Take care, everybody, from Peter in Robin Hood County. Bye for now. Thank you, Peter. Thank you, Pete. Now, the 10% number for the number, the percentage of broadcasts that need to be audio-described or accessible, I'm sure it was more than that previously. Is that, is that going down, or are we no. talking about a specific category here? So j- j- just to clarify all this, so there was a law that came out a few years back, and that was to uh, bring in audio description on linear television, so regular TV, and that was 20%. Yes. What's, so. uh, what's coming out today is a law for on-demand content. Ah. So yeah. the on-demand content is going to be at 10%, which is shockingly bad. What I will say, and, and, and this is to bring a little bit of perspective to this, is even though the, the, the figure is 10%, a lot of channels have actually done much better than that. In the UK in particular, I think we're up to about 50 to 60% of shows are described. Now, bear in mind that that number will go up every year because of these things called repeats. So there are TV channels, <laughs> I'm sure it's the case all around the world, where just channels showing endless repeats of things. As a show comes out, that's audio described and then goes into that repeat cycle it gets added to those numbers. So suddenly you get this kind of artificial inflation that goes with it to suggest that, oh, there's loads more shows that have got audio description this year, when in fact it's just last year's shows that are being shown again. So that's something to be aware of. But what has happened at the BBC in particular, and it is a broadcaster that is funded, and for people who don't know, for people who live outside the UK, uh, you know, there is a licence fee, which is utterly ridiculous in 2023. Yeah. We need a licence to watch television, but only the BBC. So you could sit and watch Channel 4 day and night. Um, you still have to pay a licence fee because you have a television that's capable of receiving BBC broadcasts. And yeah. this is something which was an ancient thing, uh, which has been around forever since the dawn of the BBC, where you have a fee that you pay so the, because obviously it came around at a time when there only was the BBC and that's all you had and that paid for the BBC to, to be in existence. It's a public channel and it's paid for by us. So, you know... If you want to or not, you're paying. And, but that's the, that's the irritation about it because in, in today's modern world of streaming where you would pay, you put down your money, you get your Netflix, you get your Sky, you get your Disney, you get whatever it is. Um, in that world, if you don't put down your money... You could go to jail. 
you could get a fine of up to £10,000. We should only pay 10%. If only 10% of the broadcasts are accessible to us, then the licence fee should be cut by 10%. Well, you know what it is cut no, for, for blind people? Um, yeah, by 50%. By 50%, because we, all we get is the audio, you see, so we don't get the pictures. That's why, that's why, it's, that's why it's 50%. See, we, only pay, we only pay for the audio. We don't get the, the pictures. Oh, I, don't, I don't put as much value in the audio. I think I should pay 10%. Yeah, I agree. But it is ridiculous. I mean, the whole thing is ridiculous. But the the ten percent figure, I'm kind of hopeful that that might be bigger. Um, that, that's no, the bare minimum. I think it might be a little bit higher than that. I think but you're it should right. definitely be set higher than that. I mean, ten percent just seems ridiculous. Yeah, but I mean, if, if people have got to make that ten percent accessible, it shows them. You know, we might as well do it across the board. It's probably easier to do it across the board. And you're right. That twenty percent for terrestrial broadcasting actually. Is, is much more than that in practice, right? Yeah. Because why wouldn't it be? It doesn't so. count live events. And interestingly, we did have, uh, the, what was the, the coronation? Coronation. Was the coronation, which was audio described. Um, and that's the first time in a long time I've seen an actual event. Can I just, just say at this point, AMI, this is what AMI does spectacularly well. It does live event coverage with audio description really well. Can we just yeah. tell the world about this for people who are outside Canada? AMI is like the greatest thing in the world this and it just i wish more people would recognize it because it, it does such an amazing job at, at providing this and it's really the jewel in the crown is some of the, the coverage it's done over the years on you know and i, I wish i lived in canada just for that reason yes you know, to have so access I. to all this wonderful I wish you content lived in canada. yeah i know i know you do <laughs> would it make any difference to you if i lived in canada no, i still call you every day yeah, i still annoy sorry. you take it back no it make do any difference <laughs> <laughs> uh, listen, we're out of time for today. Um, it's been a really interesting one, of course, with all the news from Apple. Do tell us your thoughts. Just a reminder, though, it's important to say all the announcements we've told you about today, they are coming out later in the year. They're not going to be happening right away. So you'll hear more about this, I guess, as iOS 17 is announced later in the year, uh, along with no doubt new products and everything else we'll all get excited about. So all that coming up. But yeah, great announcements and great to see Apple continuing its work to make its products as accessible to as many people as possible. Which, you know, you've got to give them credit for that. We may all have our disagreements and our issues with individual things, but, you know, they clearly do put the money where their mouth is. So, yeah, brilliant. Uh, listen, we're out of time. Feedback at doubletaponair.com, 1-877-803-4567. Tomorrow, we're talking to Mike Buckley from Be My Eyes. Big update. And if you want to get yourself onto that wait list a little bit higher up the queue, you might want oh. to check out tomorrow's show. <gasps> uh, yeah. More on that on tomorrow's Double Tap. Catch you then. Bye. The Walrus is Canada's conversation, and you're invited to take part. Download AMI's Voices of the Walrus, where professional narrators read selected articles from the magazine. Available wherever you download your AMI podcasts.